Welcome to Wonder Tour with Derek Cobb and Drew Perot, where we are learning leadership lessons from your favorite stories. Hi, I'm Derek. And I'm Drew. And we are on a journey to become better leaders by touring fantastic worlds and inspiring lore by going on a wonder tour. We connect leadership concepts to story context because it sticks to our brains better. You can find out more at wondertourpodcast.com. Continuing our compassion series here in the Batman Part 2, we're going to make the bridge from vengeance into hope. As we see Bruce or the Batman go through this journey, we start to understand that these maps or models are kind of unlocking for him in his head. And again, it's just over the course of this three-hour runtime or so, but you can imagine how that would take place in you or in someone else as he's starting to see that his direct influence with his fist is less effective than the influence that he has just by being there with somebody in the moment, by, by being at the scene, by empathizing with the person, right? As he, as he has empathy for the kid in the scene where they're in the funeral, right? He had, there's so many moments where you can slowly see the ship start to turn and you can see that Batman's model for change and transformation moves from one of direct force and immediate problem solving to a long game of have to change people one person at a time. And to do that, we have to start to understand the relationship between compassion and hope. All right, we are back. Episode 53 today, Batman Part 2, and we have our amazing guest with us once again, Brian, and I'll let him say a few words there, and then we'll have Drew kind of jump in as normal. Hey guys, pleasure to be back as always. Really enjoy talking uh, leadership lessons and uh, storytelling with, with you as always. Oh, so we get to talk about hope here. This is probably the first time, I think, in Wonder Tour history that we've brought up explicitly the idea of hope. This is such an important concept as a leader. Um, if, if we hope to make the world better, to help others to become better leaders so that they can express love to those around them and make a positive impact, then there has to be an element of hope. So I think for all of us, it's hard to understand how do we inspire hope? And as we as for me, as I watched the end of this movie, at first, I didn't like it, if I'm being honest. I was like, oh, that's kind of cheesy. Like, why is Robert Pattinson out there in the T-shirt and jeans doing the, you know, like pulling up his sleeves and picking up the rubble? Like I'm used to seeing, but the rest of the movie, Derek, to your point in part one, you're seeing all of these blacks and reds and these overhanging lights and stuff. And the, finally, the night passes right during the, the climax with the Riddler and with the Riddler's goons and everything's torn apart. Everything's flooded because the seawall comes down and yet the light starts to shine in. And this is really the first time that you get that element in this movie consistently and you get a completely different perspective on the Batman. And he's not doing something, the type of work he's doing now, as Derek would probably say, is like moving granules of sand. He's not hes not defeating Paul Dano or his Riddler or something. He's just moving granules of sand, which seems like it's taking forever to make any sort of an impact. But if we're transitioning from our last episode where we talked about how compassion compounds, now that I think he understands that concept now that compassion compounds. And if I sit down next to these people and I do the hard work of change with them and just meet them where they're at, then they might find that when they're well again, that when they're, they're physically able, they might go help somebody else. They might pick up the rubble, too, and start pulling it away. Man, that's hilarious. You really have a mental model of some of the things that I will say. Because I actually had the word granular come to mind 
as I was thinking about the Batman, because ultimately you have to have hope in the granular as someone who has compassion. You do have to really put some hope on that. It's maybe a little bit like betting of sorts. You used the word probability before as we were talking about that. You said something to the effect of there's a bit of a bell curve or some kind of a statistical probability that someone is going to change and you really don't know for sure what's going to happen. And I think that's interesting. And what you want to do is change that probability with hope, don't you? Hmm. Yeah, you can see the data, the data analytics mindset in, in all three of us comes out a little bit there, right, where we start to talk in probabilities because if you speak deterministically about transformation, it's impossible. Because <laughs> you're like, well, it has to be ones and zeros. We either do, we either hit the bogey or we don't. We, <laughs> we either hit this like vision of flourishing or we don't. And and we have to hit it by X day, right? That's what the roadmap says. That's what, that's that's our guiding light. But in reality, everything's closer to a probability. When you're dealing in the grains of sand, it's like every piece of rubble I move that that the other people see or that that I, you know, I take the rubble off of somebody who's trapped underneath of it. Like a lot of times, even then, it might not be a high probability that that person is going to turn around and have compassion on others and meet them where they're at. But I can speak personally and say it only takes one moment usually. And there are other smaller moments, but it's one big moment generally, the watershed moment that we talk about basically where somebody had compassion on you in a moment where you probably don't feel you deserved it. And so you then said, at least I then said, wait a minute, maybe I can forgive everybody else no matter what they've done. Maybe I should go and meet them, even though it does no no good for me because very low probability, right? There's there's very low probability when you're sitting on the curb next to somebody who's a repeated criminal, been to jail many times, you know, repeat offender for the same crimes, that kind of stuff, that that person is going to change based on the, if you just look at stats, right? Very low probability. But the crazy thing is it's not zero. And if you looked at it as zero, which is what most people will do, then of course it doesn't make sense to do anything. But when you give, when you just move those granules across every once in a while, you hit and you get the, you get what you're looking for there. And, and the impact is more than you can ever imagine on that person. It is. I mean, because I'm telling you, when it happens, when you hit that, it's unbelievable. The payoff, it's not for you, it's for them. <laughs> the entire life transformation. When I think you used the word compounding earlier when you were talking about hope, right? And that's when you're talking probabilities and, you know, weightings. That's really, it's a neat concept. If I'm flipping a coin 10,000 times, but I change the odds of getting heads by just a couple percent, but I'm flipping a lot of coins, it's going to make a huge difference in the long run. Right. There are going to be more and more people that are influenced or there's going to be more and more of a chance that I see the outcomes that I want. So I think that's really powerful. I did want to call back to something you said where, you know, kind of that inspiring, you know, inspiring hope in others. One of the things I think that they do skillfully in this movie is that they show the the state before that realization, right? Before I realize what compassion is going to get me or what how, how effective I can be, you have to get out of your old mindset. And we have a couple really great inflection points in this movie where Batman, Bruce is sort of forced into a new awareness, right? The the first one is when he's in the jail cell with the Riddler and they're talking and the Riddler is saying, Bruce Wayne, <laughs> that's a very creepy bad guy voice, right? And you can see Bruce is thinking in his head, oh man, this guy knows who I am, my secret identity out, this is really bad. And then through the course of the scene, he realizes like, oh, the Riddler doesn't actually know who I am. He thinks Bruce Wayne is his next target and that I'm going to help him because he thinks that we're alike. He thinks that my vengeance model is so good that he took it and he amped it up. 
And that's almost worse. It's like, oh, well, great. My, my secret identity is safe. And the worst murderer that I've ever met thinks that I'm his role model and his buddy. Like, that's not better. Like, so that's a really hard moment for him. And he reacts very poorly. And then he runs off and then, you know, he, he becomes aware that something bad is about to happen. And so he runs off and goes and tries to intervene with the seawall flooding and the people trapped in the arena. And in the course of that fight scene, we get this fabulous inversion where he knocks down a goon and he's like, who are you? And the guy throws his own line back at him. He's like, well, I'm vengeance. And he has this moment of this is what it gets you. This is where my path leads is I, I have inspired change. I have inspired people to take action. I have not inspired people to take the action that I was hoping for. I've inspired worse, more violent punitive vigilantes. And so that's one of those things that the compounding effect gets you is that if you're really good at something in public and that something is negative and pointed at the past and pointed at punishing people, then that's the world you're going to live in. It's a world that has more of that energy and more people that are like, well, I guess that's the way to be successful. And it's a really hard moment for him, but that opens him up to the possibility that there must be a, a better approach. I was going to ask the question because you got me wondering here. Can hope be an evil thing too? Can the evil guys actually hope for an evil outcome? Is that what they're thinking about? Just curious what you guys think. Certainly they would say yes, right? Like any, anybody would tell you they hope for something. And most people that are acting selfishly will say, well, that's the environment that I'm in and I've just got to take care of myself, right? And so I hope that I'm going to get wealthy or I hope that I'm not going to get arrested or I hope that I'm going to you know, be successful in my nefarious criminal venture to sell hallucinatory drugs or whatever. Like I think they, they would use the word, but in the context to what you're talking about, you know, if they they aren't doing it from a place of compassion where they're trying to make somebody else's life better, where they're imagining that there's potential for growth or there's the potential for improving their environment, they're very self-focused, right? I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of myself. And Bruce kind of starts out that way too. His his high level goal is quite, you know, as noble as he pictures it, but he's not he's not understanding the people that he's interacting with and how to inspire them. And so he's not very effective. Yeah, I think, Derek, there's something to this to like integrity where we talked about, can you have bad integrity? And we kind of sort of work through the idea that, yes, technically you could. But I think hope the word has a connotation that's positive to it, that we're hoping for a better future. And I think it's that this is where I want to try to get into a model here, because that's where we can maybe understand it better. It's like a working model for hope, because you're really trying to. The crazy thing about hope is it's always a far out thing, right? Or at least it's, it's always a ways out. I won't say it's far out necessarily in some situations, but it wouldn't be hope if it wasn't for something that didn't currently exist. <laughs> so it has to be a ways out. And I think there's a realization that we have to pull that future hope into the present moment. That's the only thing that we can do. And that's where compassion meets hope. Because as you try to pull that future vision, the way that I think about it is almost so if you're in that last scene there uh, that we're seeing where it's flooded and everything's crumbled, if you squint your eyes, hope to me is seeing everything rebuilt better than it was before, is seeing, you know, but now this time when we rebuild it, it's not so dark, right? There's more lights, there's more vegetation, there's trees, there's fruit on the trees, right? It's like you're getting this vision for humans flourishing. But if you squint, you can see that that, that option is still there. And what we're trying to do with with compassion and with some of our other traits that are, and, and techniques is we're trying to more and more map that vision onto what's actually happening, onto what we actually see. And that's what Bruce is doing. And he's doing it in, by moving the small 
sand granules because how are you going to achieve that vision for everything being rebuilt and being better than it ever was before and humans interacting in positive ways instead of selling droplets or whatever i can't remember what it's called whatever the droplet drug is to each other and stuff like that right well the answer is not just like we will we'll just rebuild the things right it's not purely physical it's emotional it's mental it's spiritual it's that people have to the people have to change too and so in order to do that we have to instill hope in every moment through these small techniques like compassion at an individual level it doesn't you can't do it with a tv broadcast most of the time sometimes you can with a really genuinely postured tv broadcast but <laughs> For the most part, like it's physical in order to bring that future hope into the present moment and allow others to see the flourishing as it could be and want to contribute to it. You have to find like little tactile ways of doing that. Well, this is where we were talking before, before we even started recording today. We're talking about being on the outside. When you're on the outside, you can't really do much more than empathy until you get dirty and go on the inside, right? And you have some kind of a relationship with somebody. You have some kind of a connection with them. You you are into the granular. And then when you're on the inside, you can start to be compassionate and know that when you are there, you can have an impact. You can Really, I think what you were saying before is when you have the hope, when you cast the hope, the hope causes the person that you're working with to refocus their energy from selfishness to a more selfless goal. And then they start to try to work on the inside of someone else's life after that. Let's empathize with the thug. The thug is a great archetype, just a generic type dude. He's just, he's trying to feed his family. He kind of sleeps all day. He gets on the train at night. He's like, well, this is the target. He gets on the train, da 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 does the whole thing. Maybe gets beat up by Batman. This is a tough life. You you wake up, you're like, oh man, I just got my tail kicked by Batman. What truly is going to disrupt the thug's life, right? What? How are we going to get to the thug? The thug is a hard one to have compassion on. I think very often dismissed because they're like, well, they're not a primary character, blah, blah, blah. But these are the people like there's little little snippets of things like this. Sometimes they're Saturday Night Live episodes, right? Because it's funny to think about that and to think about how the stormtrooper has to go home at night to his family, for example. Right. Oh, this and is great. Go how ahead. Do you, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, that's fine. I just want to say, like, how do we get to a thug, Brian? This is great, right? Because they he he explicitly addresses this in the movie, right? Like the very first Batman being Batman scene, there's one guy in the group of thugs who literally has only half his face painted. He's not a full member of the group yet. Like he's on his way in to buying into the Gotham underworld, but he's not there yet. And he's clearly still carrying around some compassion because he doesn't really want to beat up the random guy on the train, right? And so we're seeing that moment that like all of these proto humans are in are making decisions in their lives about what world they think they're in and what choices they're going to make. And in that scene, it's not super clear that Batman actually has a positive impact on that guy. Right? Like he beats up all of his friends. And that kid kind of runs away, but it's not like, oh, that guy's inspired me to be a better human being. He's like, well, that guy's even scarier than my friends are. <laughs> right. So one of the things that Bruce has to learn in the course of this movie is, yeah, how do you how do you in those moments 
not just punish the bad people, but how do you do it in an inspirational way? And so I know, uh, Drew, you were talking about that kind of the the real peak moment in this where we see Bruce finally figuring that out, right? Where we see that he has fully grappled with thinking about the future and thinking about the implications of your actions. Once he's had these negative realizations of like, oh, the Riddler looks up to me and these goons who think they're making the world better with their automatic weapons, those guys look up to me. That's not great. So he's gone through that. Then finally he has to land on, all right, well, what do I do? Yeah, he has to look at how do we handle this? And it, it, it takes wisdom, as we always find on the tour. It's tough because you're always drawing lines and trying to figure out, like, where do I land on the spectrum in this exact scenario? Um, and there's just not a there's just not documentation you can follow to the T to get there. But, yeah, I want to talk about like one specific moment here as it relates. So when we have this, I have a lot of empathy for all the characters in this scene. <laughs> when Selena wants to kill Carmine Falcone, who, we, you know, is revealed to be her father. And she is like, this dude is a piece of trash. He's he's ruining society. There's nothing saving this guy. Why shouldn't we just kill him? And Bruce is there and he's trying to stop her. And he's he's like physically like we can't. He's not just like, you know, he, he's actually taking action. He's like trying to stop her. And he, she's like, why? And you can see Bruce's mindset changing here. Like you said, Brian, it's the flip of what happens with that other guy where he doesn't with the guy with the half mask because he doesn't he doesn't understand. He doesn't think about the impact he's having on that guy. But here he's thinking and he's prioritizing Selena's future. And he says, you don't have to pay with him. You've paid enough. Because he recognizes that her killing him, there's a for him, he sees that there's a decent enough probability that that has a very negative effect on the future of Selena and on what weight she then has to carry going forward. And he says, you don't have to pay that. You don't have to. I get that he, you think he deserves it and you feel that he, the world will be better without him. But the world will be better with you. <laughs> And so we can't afford for you to take the fall on this one for something that somebody else did to you. You can't. So you're really bringing something to mind here as you're talking through this. And I think compassion can manifest through shielding. He was shielding her in that scenario. You can kind of say it's sacrifice. You're, you're giving something up. Maybe you're taking the pain when you're doing shielding, but you're very actively protecting somebody. Let's just focus on that piece. And that person, if you do empathy with that person, you can see that that person is changed by the fact that, yes, they recognize and register your sacrifice from the shielding that you're providing them in that situation. He was providing her words, but he also shielded her because he caught the guy's hand before he went over the edge, right? He reversed. This is interesting. He didn't really sacrifice much to reverse the action that she did. She almost went over the edge. He actually reversed that, which I think is a very rare scenario. What do you guys think about this reversal here and how the shield Shielding kind of metaphor with compassion plays out. No, that's great. He um because when we first meet Selena, she's actually she actually does have compassion, right? Like her whole motivation at the beginning of the movie is I gotta go find my friend, I gotta save my friend, she's in this bad situation and I just want to help her out. And she kind of goes through the negative arc of getting more and more angry and more and more bought into the concept of vengeance, maybe inspired by the Batman as we're going, right? Like she sort of falls into this cycle of violence. And as he's breaking out of it, he has the wisdom to realize kind of what's happening to her and to not not want her to let let her fall down into that and so he he sees her making a really bad decision and he intervenes right it's like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna you know grapple this guy i'm gonna save him i'm gonna pull him up even though 
he's a horrible crime lord who probably is going to get out of jail because we're in a corrupt city, you know, even though that's, that may not make the overall situation better. But I can impact this one important person that I care about that, you know, could go over the edge, could be lost to the world of compassion. But I'm going to keep her from, um, you know, I'm going to try to help her in a moment where she's just really overcome with this rage. And that's kind of landing the arc, right? Like, you know, we see him going from, I am vengeance, I am punishing the bad people, I'm thinking about the past, to I'm thinking about this one person and trying to make their future better. And I'm going to take the action that, you know, that helps that, that demonstrates that. And then I'm going to try to take more and more of those actions going forward. Yes, hope has to be founded in the individual interactions and in, in, in relationships and in people. This is my my great struggle today with the world is that we want to find hope in systems. I get it. It's systems are really helpful. Tools are really helpful. Laws and governance, everything like this is all good stuff. Like we can do really great things with this. But that's not the problem is that that's not hope. <laughs> hope is found in the individual interaction. So if we're so focused on it, it, there is good to be done in fixing the system and transforming the system and replacing the system. But if we're doing it because it's the system that's broken, we've completely lost focus and we've lost hope it has to be about tied to an individual who are yeah, we so saving who are we helping so let's tie it back to your you know your kind of the three parts of definition of compassion that you came up with you know in the last episode right is that we've got that the compassion has to be about being in that moment not about the huge big picture but about what's happening right this second and it has to be like you said it has to have the hopeful element it has to be about the future and not fixing just fixing some problem from the past and it's about thinking about the person that you're sitting on the curb with, their viewpoint. And, you know, and how can I, you know, what system can I build that improves as many of those people's world lives as possible? But, you know, the, but that's still the, the intention has to be at that level of granularity, as Derek said. I love that. Yes, it, it has to be at the individual level, because why does think about this just in the general Batman story arc? Why does he do any of this? Well, we see it in, a, in an incredible way in Nolan's movie, because Nolan pulls it all the way through his trilogy. Right. You see the moment where Gordon puts his coat on the young Bruce Wayne. Gordon has compassion. Right. And as a result, it it does. It's just the little work of change. Right. Was that the whole story? Is that why he became the Batman? Who knows? But it's we reflect on that. Nolan reflects on it in the final film. Right. We go back to that scene and we say, look, this is important. This thing that Gordon did, that one little thing where he acted out of selflessness and didn't he like like you said, Brian, right there, those three things. That's what he was caring about. He was caring about Bruce's future. And it's this is exactly, honestly, it's a weird, different thing, right? Like you said, Derek, he's shielding here instead of comforting. And compassion can take many, many, many different looks. But what Bruce does to Selina in this film, The Batman, is very similar to what Gordon did to the kid Bruce in Nolan's trilogy. He's like, hey, I can't afford you. I don't want to see you become something you shouldn't be. I don't want to see you kill Joe Chill. I, I want to see you become a beacon of light, not an angry vengeance retribution machine and so i'm going to do this weird little thing going back to the first part we're going to subvert the expectation here instead of saying instead of being punitive we're going to be forgiving and that's going to change the course of history and I'm just remembering this scene now as you're talking, right? But right at the end, they're walking Falcone out and he's like, well, I'm going to get out of jail. Like, you know, I, I run the city and so I'm not really super worried about this. And they walk out and they have the subverted expectations of like, oh, 
there are more cops who want to be not corrupt than you thought. Right? There's more guys out here that are actually inspired to be positive, right? To you know, to to try to make things right, and that having having those moments of demonstrating that things can be better and demonstrating the compassion and hope can actually inspire others to come out of the woodwork who were just on the sidelines trying to keep their heads down, trying not to get in trouble, trying not to buy in either way. I think this is a great point to bring in then compassion at its fullest maturity is legacy, isn't it? Where you leave this world because you are inherently finite. You leave this world with such an imprint that not necessarily that somebody remembers your name, not necessarily that someone knows where you lived, what neighborhood you operated in, but that symbolically a lot of what you did carries on throughout maybe even multiple generations because of the leaders that you helped raise up. They went and did the same thing and they continued to repeat the pattern and not only that, repeat it, but improve upon it, which is why we have to seek wisdom as that foundation as leaders in our lives. Because if we don't continue to seek that grounding level, we're not going to be able to know whether we've kind of achieved that or not, or we've aspired to that ideal in our lives. What do you guys think about legacy as we close out here for this episode and compassion and how legacy relates to compassion? Because Bruce definitely says that explicitly in the movie, talks about legacy, my family's legacy. He talks about that. Mm, I think legacy is the character, right? So what we want to be careful of is when we said, like you said, when we say legacy, we don't mean statues, right? That's not, we don't mean names being on, you know, it's nice maybe to have your name on a hospital or something like that, but that's not really what we're talking about here when we mean legacy. We're talking about the, the good character that's built up in others because that good character compounds over time. The one person influences so many more. Well, that's no, that's really great because we we actually see the the negative version of that, right? The the one of the themes running through this whole movie is that the uh, I forget what they were, they were calling it, but the renewal project, like all of all of the Wayne money goes into this big public fund that's supposedly going to make Gotham better, and it's been 20 years and it hasn't made anything better. Like it had this promise of improvement, but it didn't actually make anybody's life better, and so it was kind of you know it was it had it had the opposite effect. It was kind of this bittersweet like you know see this is why. Why the world is so messed up right and so you know what you guys have done i think through the course of this podcast with it's not just compassion but it's also integrity and it's also skill and it's also like all of these things that you have to just deploy together to be able to have that sort of lasting effect right you know there's this package of leadership skills and intentions and personal moments that you have to have but then yeah the, the you know the the desired effect of that is this growth mindset of not that somebody else is going to get better because they took a thing away from me but everybody's going to get better because they're all better at helping each other and that that will as we said accumulate or build up over time and can I go back and rephrase the the fact that I said legacy was about building up good character? And I almost want to rephrase it as something that's similar, but not the same exactly. It's about building up true wisdom. All of the different things that we talk about here are leading to wisdom, right? If we're trying to help create the type of people who cannot help but make the right, the selfless, you know, the 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 forgiving type of decisions in every instance. And if that isn't wisdom, I don't know what is. We're trying to create those type of people. <laughs> and th so I'll call back to something you said earlier too then, right? Is that that's 
that's the thing that you can only get with compounding. Like you can't individually fix a person. You can't, you know, they'll have these breakthrough moments, but the only way you get there at scale is this compounding effect of all of these small moments and all of these small skillful actions. And so that's, I think there's, maybe that's a way that leads us to the legacy, right? Is that you can't actually just buy the library and call it your legacy. Like that you, you can't just put $20 billion in the renewal fund and then it's fixed, right? It actually has to have touched a lot of people and continue to build on itself. Well, I think that's really what a magnanimous leader, and I'm bringing a magnanimous in now to kind of tie it all together. That's the difference between being rich and being wealthy. And I want to be wealthy, <laughs> In terms of how this compassion plays out and the legacy that you guys have talked about here, that's true wealth, right? When you exit this life, no matter what your bank account says, what is your true wealth? What have you really done with your life and in this world? It's something to reflect on. I can't really say much more than that, but I think this is a great place to leave it. Great stuff today, guys. Brian, really appreciate you being on again. Excellent thoughts as always. The depth, keep bringing it, man. We will have Brian on in future episodes. Next time, we're going to be talking Thor Ragnarok. This is a very colorful Marvel movie, and we're going to be talking about compassion within Thor Ragnarok. Really excited for that. So I'm just going to close this out, and just remember, character is destiny. We'll see you next time.